There's a new vet experience in Portsmouth. It's thevet.co.uk and they certainly know their business. They have high-tech facilities, are highly trained and are pet owners too. With walk-in appointments, plenty of parking, open every day, including evenings and weekends, taking care of your furry friend couldn't be easier. And the low price guarantee means they're the most affordable vet in town. Register your pet online today and get £5 off your first visit. T's and C's apply. See the full range of services at thevet.co.uk. I was hoping. <laughs> I love, I love your gaps. I, just, I love your silent gaps. It's, it's this machine, honestly. Is it? it? Oh, they always really, really blame well. the machine. Yeah, so I'm going to turn this off now because you started moaning. <laughs> I loaded it. I put our theme tune on. Yeah. Right. You said we'd drown it. Yeah, but drown it not after a second. Oh, God, okay. extremes. By an order. It's in one of those days, isn't it? It's, it's going to be one in of one weeks. of them movies. One of those weeks. It's your fault for buying me. Uh, welcome oh. to the She Made Me Do It podcast, by the way. Um, Here we go. Yeah, I said to well, I'd, I'd I text him, do you want a coffee? Yes, yeah. please. But the thing is, I'd ordered the coffee before the text came in. Mm. So I've got him the... Because autumn's coming, I got you the pumpkin spice latte. Don't I do quite it. liked it. Yeah. Yeah, it's very sweet, though. You're not liking it. Just down I'll, it. I'll Hold your nose. One. I'll just okay. I'll buy the next one. First time in eight years, mate. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's <laughs> hard though when no, you're no, when you're no, actually live on radio. Yeah, I can't get out. You can't get out. You're a little bit stuck. And I actually don't mind buying you a coffee. Uh, see, I don't mind. <laughs> Probably get a free anyway, don't you? <laughs> oh, you're such a such a one, <laughs> you cheeky one. So we've been up to then. Okay, can, so I've had can a busy I turn the music down now. Oh, go on then. Happy. Go on, so we've to? got we've got some new segments coming in. We're doing we're just changing a little. We're changing it up. We're gonna have a meeting, changing the format of the show because we quite like the chat show. We like the style. We're getting lots and lots of listeners. Really good. Thank you for all your emails and comments and support. Yeah. It's yes. really good. Um, we have got a brand new section going on to this podcast. To tune in near the end, we have got our brand new Agony Aunt, the very beautiful and lovely Joe McNamara. Yeah, is um, our new agony aunt for a new feature. So I'll go and record her. In a, she's a florist. She works a full working florist. She's doing weddings, she's doing funerals. She's doing and you. everything. She's doing everything. She's amazing. She actually won a gold medal at Chelsea Flower Show once. She's oh, really she, good. Where she's is really she? Good. Where's she based then? Winter Roads, which is South Sea. Yeah. So it's like opposite. You know, fra- you know, you know, Chef's Crook. Yes. Right. Just come along from Chef's Crook. You're there. I know. That row of shops. Yeah. 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 yeah I buy the, um, the Metro and all that lot. Tesco, buy Fratton Park. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> the other you way. You know, oh, yeah. Winter Road. You've got, like, you know where the yes, shepherds is come yes. down and you've the got. The other side. Yeah. Got yeah. It. Gotcha. That way. So right. I'm go- I go in there once a week anyway because I love flowers in my house. I always buy a bunch of flowers. Do you, Elton John? I love them. I cheers me up. I get really, yeah. like, I love it. I love flowers in my house. Don't you? Uh, I, I was, I, every other week I buy Chris. You are. A beautiful man. Thank you. That's so lovely. Yeah, and then she. Because um, yeah. you do need them every other week, I think, because they die, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> Unless they're croissants. Or, or, the, or some, some last forever. Yeah. I know. I love those. So yeah, no. So I'll go in once a week anyway. So she's just she's she's um agreed to be my um our agony aunt for the oh. segment because she's so she's lived. She's really lived, and she's so great. If I'm not sure about someone, I send them in there, and she works them out within seconds. She's, <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs> Spy. She's just she's just great. She's brilliant. No yeah. hold back. Great. We've got some saucy ones as well this week. 
I right. will um, show them to you later. Okay. There we go. I might, I might start blushing. <laughs> so, what have you been up to this week? Uh, what have I done? I was um, working, really. <laughs> Guess what? What have I done? <laughs> Just work, work, work. I had a uh, interesting gig on Saturday. Did you? Did you? Yeah, it was very did interesting. It was for it a, a birthday surprise yeah. at uh, uh, one of the venues. And halfway through the night, some woman asked if she could stand behind me and breastfeed. Oh, that's fair enough. So, are you? How do you feel about breastfeeding in public? Fine, I've got a problem with it. Yeah, if I get a go. But the thing is, bonus. you're quite a good, good wall of tower, good tall tower wall. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, she just my sort of thing was yeah, put a chair up and just turned. So she away. felt it was a bit easier. You're yeah. away from the speakers. Yeah, and then so um, she's fine. that makes total logic. Yeah, so I said, yeah. that's absolutely no problem. Yeah. Go ahead, love. Go ahead and be the way. Yeah. And then the other one was <laughs> some woman got they had so much food, it was ridiculous at the party. Yeah. There was so much left. Some woman took a big chunk of cheese <laughs> and then stuck it down her bra. Oh god, she couldn't have a handbag. Well she, no. she it was all full of sandwiches. <laughs> so she had this big big, big, big lump Cheesy of cheese. Cheesy tits. Yeah, cheese that's what I called her. I said, thanks, thank you to Simon. Happy birthday to you. You know, it would be a really good day. <laughs> and, and also a big thank you to open my eyes up to more than I should have seen to Cheesy Tits. Yeah. And then all our friends started going, Cheesy Tits, Cheesy Tits. It's amazing what you can get in your bra. Oh. It's amazing. If you, yeah. you haven't got a handbag or you're out and about. Alcohol, you know, perfect. as usual. Yeah. And, you know, they're not going to search there, are they? So. Well, I would. <laughs> <laughs> still, I'm still loving your great idea about um, top tips. <laughs> Of wrapping up a box of wine and pretending it's a gift. See, that works. <laughs> Brilliant. See, you can try then. I'm going to. Yeah. Love that. Yes, just, so... just, just trying to get the tap out. <laughs> so, we didn't even see the tap, did they? Just, there you go. Plug, plug in your No, wine. just like sneaky under the table. Yeah. Love that. So cool. So, um, this weekend's been pretty good. I had my 15th wedding anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he surprised me with tickets to the Arctic Monkeys at the O2. Without moaning about the price of the bloody ticket, as I normally do. But you were moaning last week. Oh, God, I just find it, find it awful. But, you know, hey ho, mm. I enjoyed myself. It was brilliant. I, it's, it's one of those things you probably won't go and see him again. But yeah. he has got, I know he's not your thing, but he's got a brilliant voice, the Arctic Monkeys. And yeah. their new album. I wasn't so sure about their brand new album when I first heard it. But I, I love it now. It's a real grower. So if you did listen to it first time around, hated it, keep going with it because it's the one You're I reach. I reach for it every day now. Right. It's the same as like Kasabian. I used to really like Kasabian, but then they've gone awful. You got a bit, yeah, maybe. Oh, that, that new album is atrocious. But oh, I haven't, I haven't listened to it don't, properly. Don't. Okay, and it's not a grower. No, it's awful. Absolutely <laughs> awful. Yeah, the one before that wasn't too clever either. I think the one that was on about the the Asylum one, where they had like fire on it and stuff like that. That was good. Next, oh. Yeah, we've seen some good saving gigs. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, brilliant life. And then we just finished our first um, Portsmouth Pride is back with a brand new committee. So we have Portsmouth Pride mm. quite late in the year in September in Portsmouth. We're trying to—I think they're trying to move it to June, where everyone everyone else is doing Pride in June. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, maybe that's what they might try and aim for. But the whole—a um, lot of people were talking to me about it. People that don't understand Pride were a bit sure. Like, What's it all about? It's just load people showing off. And I'm like, no. So the whole idea about Pride is it's a charity. It's a mm. it's a Portsmouth-based charity, Portsmouth Pride. They are now registered. And throughout the year, they'll do events and they'll collect money and they'll be there support groups and support networks for anybody that needs help. Yeah. So it's, it's just a celebration of everyone, really. It's a good thing. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really good thing. It was Unlike great this. fun. 
Not like your pumpkin spice latte? No. <laughs> so we have got um, a guest coming on today. Yes. We have got the incredible and Amber Tremaine. I've written some notes. Do you want to hear? Yeah, go on. But before before we, she before comes question, in, because, before um, because she might be embarrassed, because it's... It's unbelievable what she's done. She's not mm. very old and she's done so much already. Amber Goodman Tremaine is the director and music award winning charity Urban Vocal Group, head of vocals for Water Bear College in Brighton and the lecturer of modern music, director in rap, rewind and repair, which is a consultant services for musicians and artists. And one of the third of a team who are songwriting for a team called Halo, writing songs for Newton Faulkner, Ella Henderson, Roachford, Jerry Williams, Sony and so much more. She's been a session singer with Boy George and recording with the late great Eva Cassidy, which in turn, Amber received a gold disc for 100,000 sales of that album. This year, Amber was presented with a Civic Award in Portsmouth City Council for work with her charity work, UVG. Last year, she won the Culture Partnership for Shaping Portsmouth. And she is the winner. She was the winner for This Is My Moment, hosted by Mel B for ITV in 2001, winning over £150,000 and um, her league and her show, which was like one of the first X Factors. Mm. She's she good. is on her way. She's she's very, very talented. And we look forward to talking to her very, very soon. That pumpkin spice, do you hear him? Hounds, a tailored combination of barbering and hairdressing techniques within exquisite creative space in Southsea, brought to life by art and music. Hounds ethos is by combining friendly customer service with a passion for providing an enjoyable hair experience people will want to come back time and time again. Find us on Facebook at Hounds Barbers or on Instagram at Hounds underscore Barbers. For more information, try the website houndsbarbers.com. Come and get a haircut, snippity snip. Clippity clip. They have to wait for me to finish my snip. Twitter trends, Twitter trends, Twitter trends, Twitter trends, Twitter trends, Twitter trends. I've got a new idea for Twitter trends. Yeah? Yeah. I'll tell you about it later. Just to keep you keen. Right, so you want to kick off about a couple of things. And it's nice you've done your homework, because usually you don't do anything. I know, but I'm thinking, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts recently, and I'm thinking I really do need to up my podcast game. Yeah. You know, they've been, some people are so articulate and I'm just so annoying. I'm not articulate. I'm not articulate. I can't talk very well because of my tongue tied. Right. But um, I try my best. I know I want to say things and they, I've got these big words in my head and they don't ever come out properly. Do you ever get a chance just, uh, when you want to say things, but because of what you do, you can't say things? What do you, what do you mean? Like, you, I want to say certain thing and I so try So if, be... if you weren't in your position yeah. and you were just, say, a normal mum, yeah. whatever normal is, yeah. or, or you know, your average just Joe, a, yeah. as they call them, yeah, yeah. Um, do you think you, you could be let rip a bit more on social media? I think I've trained myself now that I don't have don't. that way in thinking. Yeah. It's been 10 years. Yeah. So I just think of... You know, you know, you get reconditioned. I think I've been reconditioned. <laughs> I, I sometimes I, I find it really, really difficult. Do you? When someone responds to you, or I see someone, <laughs> and I just want to go. I know. Want to? Well, wanna... we have got a great show coming up in the next mm. couple of weeks. We have got the ex-leader of Port City Council coming on, and she's the head of the Conservative Party of Portsmouth. She's coming on, and she gets trolled. On a mm. daily, badly, on a daily basis. So I think that 
is going to be a meaty show. So stay tuned. A couple of shows time. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. And I think, yeah, we can really get our teeth into that. <laughs> I think now yeah. I just think I just, I, I'll talk to you about it then. But I just, you know, I think I've mm. got tactic, tic tac tactics. Oh, yeah. Tick tock, tick tock, Yeah. But, you know, at the moment I'm feeling a little bit. I've, I love. I, I'm coming into a new season. And I love new. Se- I love seasons in the in the in the year. So we're coming into autumn. So I feel like it's, it's like hot. a new. It's still what you know. The weather's still great and everything like that. But I feel like you have in my brain. I have different work schedules, and obviously right. I've got a Christmas schedule. I've got, and I yeah. feel this the autumn schedule is great because it's sort of like before it kicks into like crazy season for me. Yeah. So. Um, I'm actually really enjoying everything and I feel like it's like a new, mm. it's a new, like the kids have gone back to school and you feel like you can go back to work and not that I look after my kids anymore. But you know, you know I mean? they're not under your feet asking for money yeah. every five minutes. They're doing yeah. something. Yeah, they're older. Yeah. Yeah, they're back at school, thank <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay. So you're first, you can kick off first. So um, I was just observations, really. Right. It's like you get the best people and the nicest people and they're so friendly. You get them behind the wheel and they're like, just drive the long old, and then they go like some sort of crazy NASA person when they get the road rage. Mm. So I'm like, where did that come from? Like, I've not seen you in real life being like that. Yeah. When does it make you? Tra- I'm quite. I don't get road mm. rage. I don't get the road rage at all. Right. Because I'm quite a chill person, and I'm like, I'm not in a, ever in a hurry. Because I like plan my day out, and if I get there a little bit late, then who cares, mm. you know? So I don't really have to rush around, and and if someone makes a, a bad call in judgment, then fine, I just react to that and let them go. I don't ever have. Yeah, I'm the same. I don't care. I no, just, but I then just, you I'm get just going in the from a to B. Then you get in the car with some people, and they're like really like normal people, like just just quite easy going. They'd never start a fight in a pub. They'd never do. And then you get them behind the wheel and they're like, what? And they get out the yeah. car and they're like having massive fights. I remember once this happened to me. I was coming up. We've got quite a, a road in South Sea. I think it's like Fawcett Road, something like that, where it's or Francis Avenue, something like that, where yeah. it's two-way traffic, which should be one way. So it's like a huge, huge two-mile-long road. It's horrendous. And there's not many gaps. So you either have to just try and go for it and hope you don't hit each other or you pull over and wait. And so I was coming along and I was in my, I was in a quite a big van. So in a way I had to let me pie because I was bigger and my my van's horrible. So if it gets smashed up, it doesn't matter. So, um, and then this other bloke went mental. He's one he was going mental at me, went at me, went, oh, it's Lulu from Love Southy. How are you? <laughs> Went, I'm just I'm fine. <laughs> Don't hit me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just um, I saw one the other day, and somebody there's a thing about about tailgating. And stuff yes. Like that. Well, where I live, yeah, you come along by the coast, and then uh, by Porchester. Yeah. Very nice by the castle, and then uh, some bloke. They usually they swing chop lanes. You know, there's these uh, dicks who go. Yeah, yeah, I want to be in the. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, someone's going. Someone's going the speed limit. Yeah. I want to go double that. Yeah. So then they'll, they'll keep changing lanes. Yeah. When we pulled up the traffic lights, we all pulled away, and you could see this donut had already changed. But what he did was he pulled into the near side lane, put his foot down because there's no traffic in it. But then he had to scream his brakes on yeah. because by Hendy Ford there was a uh, car, a truck delivering cars. So, so the, there was so no the, road the ramp for was him. down. No, so the ramp was down. <gasps> he screeched <laughs> so bad, but actually went up the ramp. That's first hilarious. Two, oh, just you know, and everybody was like, driving past him, going, I think, "Idiot, dick, no." <laughs> 
<laughs> so what? So yeah, maybe you do need. Maybe when you're driving, you do need a bit of a fright to. Mm. And then the phone. Why be on the? Why be on your phone when you're in the car? Like, put it mm. in the boot. If you're going to use your phone, put it in the boot. Do you know what? I've been using my phone less recently. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've been um, picking up proper books and reading. <laughs> Bloody hell. Yeah, I just feel like, obviously, I don't know, you get a little bit anxious. I think if you've been on your phone a long time, your brain goes a bit fried and yeah. you just think, so I'm like, oh, so I've been picking up books. So I've got, I'll do a book review next week. <laughs> Some good books What's out there. What's going on? I know, What's going I know. On the world? And also, yeah. I'm being a bit more tolerant of people. No. Yeah. Have you been dropped on your head or something? I don't know. I don't know what's happened to me. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like, um, I don't know. I just feel I've had enough of being angry no I've just been a bit more tolerant of people and letting and letting mm. people have their sort of say and let them yeah fair enough if that's how you feel then I'm happy with that I, you know my opinion is this your opinion is that it's fine yeah. maybe I've just got older yeah that's it maybe my actual age has kicked in at last yeah no I, I'm the same I just I just sometimes you just can't be bothered to argue with people it's just whatever you know if, you, if you're if you're happy thinking that that's you've won yeah. Something, then get on with it, mate, because I yeah. really can't be bothered. When I was younger, I'd have been, you know, you'd have been at each other's throats, wouldn't you? But now you just think, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> have I you, really don't care. So, what do you? What would you do though if you were tailgated? Would you just slow down? Yeah, even slow down. More? Yeah. What would happen if you were like? I remember when I used to get really, I used to be an estate agent. Oh, I can say this again. I shouldn't say this out loud. I used to work in property. It sounds better, doesn't it? And there was this road where people would try and come down. I think Gladys Avenue or something. And then this. I remember I, one day they were just wouldn't move, so I just got out the car, took the keys, and Wolf left the car in the middle of the road. Cause I was so angry. This wasn't, yeah. and you know, and I feel like if you're three quarters of the way down the road, then actually you own it. You have that. Yeah. Yeah, why should you reverse if you already come all the way down that bit? Yeah. It, it, you know, it's logic. I've seen that before. People just think, and, and Portsmouth is notorious now for you can't park. Because oh, everyone, yeah, because everyone's got cars. Yeah, and we've all, we've got, all households have got two or three cars, yeah. so you can't get down the street. because the poor kids can't buy a house anymore because it's too expensive, so we'll car. stay at home. Yeah, you might as well live in a car. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I know people whose uh, partners have phoned them up and said, I can't park the car, and, and been in tears. Oh, they've because been driving there's... around for about 45 minutes oh, and they can't. gosh, I hate that. Or I've parked oh. the car and I can't remember where I've parked it the Done next that, day because yeah. it's so... Festival time. <laughs> so many times. Well, because I live on the seafront, so getting mm. a car parking space is, near my house is very rare, but I'd rather live there than not live there. So I just yeah, don't put care. Yeah, put, put up with it. with it. But yeah, driving around, I just put music on. Just, yeah, just, just make most around, of it. Drive around, now... put some good tunes on. Yeah, that's what I normally do. <laughs> I am... Um, yeah, I don't know. It's... it's um. And we're all right because we've got to drive. It's so posh. Uh, he's just straight in. White Cliffs of Grosvenor. See? <laughs> <laughs> southern Paul's Grove. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Upper up East Gate, Paul's Grove. <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, it's all right for us. But um, you see, you've seen some of the parking. That's another thing. Inconsiderate parking. You, you want to say, you know, you see... Um, is it inconsiderate or are they just um, not sure how to park? Well, yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, you look at them and you think, why are you, why are you doing that? Because you know, <laughs> then it stops everything, doesn't it? Yeah. So you think, oh, Nightmare. Yeah, Nightmare. but then just smile and wave. So, so there you go. And also I want to tell, talk to you about um, the tw- the Twitter. Twitter has had a massive clean-up over the last two months, which I think yeah. I applaud them. This is brilliant. If Facebook are listening to the Twitter world... Clean. I know Facebook are gradually cleaning up their Facebook and Instagram. Mm. There's so many people with fake followers on Instagram. And, yeah, you um, can buy them. 
Well, you can buy them. I don't see. I don't see the relevance. I don't see the point of it. But, um, and then you've got um, Twitter now that's cleaned up. I lost a thousand followers when they cleaned up mm. Twitter. So I was spammed. I didn't actually. I've never brought followers because I'm tight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so a few companies and a few massive like stars have lost. Obviously, mm. if you you're that huge, like some of the big mega stars, they lose a couple hundred thousand followers. It doesn't really matter because they've got yeah. billions. But yeah, so has it affected you on the Twitter Twitter? I ranks? don't know because I'm no. not. I'm, I haven't really got that many followers on Twitter. I think I've got about two thousand, or did have. I've probably got about four now. Yeah, but I only add people <laughs> if I look at them and, and I know. It's different for Facebook because Facebook's the kind of. Well, you're friend on Facebook. You need to change it to a page. I feel. Yeah, you keep on about this. So I keep doing. Need it. To I, do I should that. do. I'm just going to do it for you. Professionally, <laughs> I should yeah, do. Um, totally. But then I am. Um, the other times, I just I look at it and I think uh, I'm happy with who I, who I add because I always add people who have got like a you know like a load of followers or a lot of people you I know. Enjoy or you enjoy their tweets because I find yeah. Twitter's got got really boring for me. So what I might need to do is have a rethink about how I look at it because. Yeah. I get tagged into so much stuff. Where I get tagged into so much stuff, I don't actually get to see any. Yeah. If someone mentions me now, where I've been tagged into like so much other stuff, I can't actually see. So yeah. just or, or, Instagram me. Or, or, or it just says you, you've been involved. Someone's made a comment about you, and you're involved. You're scrolling, and you're, thinking, you're going through, and then they're also they've all your if they've liked or favorited the tweet, you're yeah. stuck in that whole. Thing. And it goes on and on and on and on. Goes on for so long. There's certain people yeah. out there that tag us in everything, and then what they'll do, they'll tag us in our rivals. And I'm like, well, why would you do that? I'm not going to retweet that now. It's <laughs> me trying to be day. more calm and love everyone, but yeah. don't tag me into my rivals. <laughs> yeah. So have you got to the thing where you you turn your phone off? You're not in, you go to bed with your phone. Um. Yeah. I've I've been just put like yesterday. I didn't have it hot. It's only this has only been one day, mind. One day. This could be short, short-lived. Then, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, no. Yesterday, I was like, didn't have it at all. <laughs> what happened was, I got in a bit of a stressful situation Saturday night. So I'm thinking, I can't go. I need to turn my phone off. Um, Ruby yeah. had her thirteenth birthday party at a venue in Portsmouth. Right. The venue double booked. <laughs> so we turned up at six o'clock. They thought our party was six to eight, but actually, our party was seven till nine. The other party started at eight, so there was an overlap of an hour. Of this poor bloke who's having like his fiftieth birthday or sixtieth <laughs> birthday, and there's Ruby like a thirteen year old birthday, and we've got this like quite. He's got the young DJ Ruben's, you know Ruben, yeah, Ruben. fifteen, and he's like his DJ, his DJing's amazing, and they're like going, um, "Can he stay on for our party?" <laughs> uh, no, he's fifteen. He's got to go home. <laughs> his mum's picking him up in a minute. <laughs> so I just felt bad for Ruby and I felt also really bad for the person who's part. It wasn't anybody's fault. It was just a human error. Yeah. And it wasn't... Were they, and, were they and, sacked? No, because it oh. wasn't... I don't think it was anyone's... It wasn't... Really? Any, no, I, I don't think it was anyone's fault. I really don't. Someone's fault, isn't it? Someone's I don't, to blame. I don't know. Or maybe it's just lack of communication and Someone's me... Someone's wrong. Me. Yeah, it's, it's just... You. Yeah, probably me, but I don't know. Okay. But yeah, so... But Ruby didn't seem to care. She carried on. The, the other people were a little bit like pee, but they mm. got involved with the music. So they... And, I, and I'm yeah, like... Exactly. Ah! <laughs> I'm thinking. Right. But it's like Miller Commercial Roads are quite full and yeah. on pee. And it's, she goes to a private school. I'm thinking, oh, God, I hope the parents don't come pick up. They probably don't think much of me anyway, but the parents come to pick up their children and there's like this full-on pompy party going on. It's funny. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, it all worked right. out in the end. But I was like yeah. stress levels up to like 100. So, yeah, so Sunday I went for a nice swim, didn't have the phone. 
Went and watched a few, went downstairs and watched a few films. Ah. Yeah, what did I watch? Oh, I watched the disaster movie. I wouldn't bother with that. It's rubbish. I haven't seen that. No, I don't bother with it. And then I watched Pitch Perfect 3 with Isabella. That's quite good fun. Oh. <laughs> I liked the first one. I really liked it. I thought it was quite funny. The oh, Pitch one, Perfect. I like, yeah, Fat Amy. Se- se- yeah, second one's all right. Actually, I enjoyed ones. it. I enjoyed it. It was like a, it was in my house on Sunday afternoon. Like, oh yes, yes. You don't off. mind, do you? No. Yeah, and I didn't have my phone till like eight o'clock. Looked at it, did some emails, put it back away, and didn't bother with it. There you are then. Perfect. Boom. Boom read half a book. Oh, yeah. I um. <laughs> no, it's it's difficult to, to to discipline yourself about turning the phone off and and seeing things and yeah. Because you always got to be responding to stuff. I feel like I spend too much money from my phone because I see something. Oh, I like that, yeah. and then I'll go and buy it. So I feel like it's actually saving me money by not paying. <laughs> That's the best way, yeah. Because yeah. you can't, um, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd be like, um, you know, you just be in bed. I'll just play a game. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, some, a pop up will come, and I go, oh, oh. didn't know they did that. Yeah. So you go, you click on that, and yeah. then you're hooked. Well, you know why, oh. don't you? Because you like, if we say, for example, our phones are always on. They mm. they're, they're speaking, they're hearing us. The mm. cookies. Yeah. So if you say, oh, I really want a cheese plant, I don't know, or a plant. And then we talk about plants all day long or gardening, mowing, lawn mower. <laughs> yeah. And then later on tonight, we'll go on Facebook and there'll be loads of adverts for like cheese plants and mowers and we've, stuff like that. We've been s- spied on. Yeah. 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 Uh, what do I want? I need a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's an advert for a Ferrari. They don't give you a Ferrari. Uh, You've got to still buy it. No. I'm Darren, by the way. <laughs> really like Ferraris. Or a really nice BMW. <laughs> yeah, for our road rage. So what's been... N- nagging you this uh, week. Tell me what, there's only one thing in the world that's nagging me, and that's this horrible creature. Pumpkin spice called... <laughs> There's that. And uh, Gemma Collins. I've oh, okay. Got... So have you watched, is it MasterChef? Yes. Are you on number two of MasterChef? Uh, yes, I've, I'm up to date with it. So how many episodes have there been? I need to catch up. There's uh, another two since, she... no, there's another, yeah, there's another two episodes since she was kicked out. Oh, she's been kicked out. Oh, I didn't know that. Then. So, how many she's episodes has this been in? Tell me, talk to me. Well, she's been in. She was in two episodes. So, so she okay. got through the first round. Yeah. And then she, she obviously she's in the second part. Yeah. And then she just, I don't, I don't, I, I do wish her all the. What? Work. So, what has she done since she's been just, kicked out? Uh, well, she's she's had a go at uh, loose women because they were having a go at her. Okay, so she's she's voicing her opinions. You're not keen. <laughs> yeah, no, she's not. No, I don't because I think she she summarises what's wrong with Britain at the moment and the fact that she's got brings no benefit to the world whatsoever and she's earning millions and I should be earning millions because okay. I'm, I'm a lovely, lovely person. Yeah, but maybe that's the problem. You're not opinionated enough. But but, but she's just a is, she, is she going out with that Arge 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 still? I, I don't know. I don't they care. were. To, I don't know. I don't follow it. I don't know. No, I'm not. Don't care. Because um, I remember, because we had Arge, didn't we? Oh, okay. oh yeah, the Panto. At the Kings, and he was like apparently on this health kick, wasn't he? And then they mm. would tell me that he would, at interval, dressed as Prince Charming or whatever he was, <laughs> buttons or whatever he was doing, he would run out to the kebab shop opposite the Kings in his part, in his in his break, <laughs> go and queue up dressed as this Dan Dandy. <laughs> In the living kebab <laughs> shop, getting his huge kebab, stuffing it in his face and getting back on stage. And there were like a few times he'd missed his queue because the queue was too long in the kebab <laughs> shop. you think you were like a little bit savvy. You'd like pre-order yeah. it. Yeah. But no. Or have it delivered. Yeah. Just say, I'm Arge. No, I, I just... Um, I, I, so I, reality TV. Yeah, I see her on MasterChef and she just basically stood there and got other people to do her job. 
What, in MasterChef? Yeah, and somebody is... Um, because they send you to somewhere, don't they? And then you've got to learn to cook for like 150 people or whatever. I've never so, watched it, so oh, I need to... Yeah, she just went on there and she just said, uh, I've got this person doing peeling the potatoes and stuff like this and just generally moaned that she didn't want to peel uh, you know, potatoes and stuff like that. If you just get on with it, love. Just I... do your job. You're getting paid a lot of money. Just do it and shut up. And so who's left in it? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> But there's quite a few. But there's, you're enjoying uh, that TV. Yeah, I like I like Master It's good fun. Okay. So this year, talking about reality TV, big, yeah. they have announced that they're probably going to lose Big Brother. Big Brother Channel 5 doesn't I, want... I didn't even know it was still on. Until well, the there's this new... There's been... This Celebrity Big Brother this year was just carnage. I didn't watch it. I've been listening in and mm. listening, reading different articles. Yeah. There's a girl on there from Emmerdale. Do you know about this? Let me get my facts off. So basically, there's a girl on there, celebrity on there, accused another celebrity of beating her up, right. which is pretty bad. So they've gone in there and they've um, they've had to sort it all out. And yeah. when they look, watch back the tapes, obviously it's 24-hour taping. Yeah. So it actually was, she wasn't getting beaten up. It wasn't, it didn't happen, but this poor lad got accused and then everybody in the house doesn't know what's going on. Blah, 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 blah. And then when she came out, they said to her, look, he he didn't actually beat you up. Look, watch yeah. this, because oh, that's not how I saw it in my head. So this poor girl obviously is not right frame of mind to go into any sort of celebrity situation yeah. like this, especially 24-hour yeah. surveillance and yeah. getting, like, everyone's, you you have to be a totally solid mind to be able to go into something like that. And then she's been slated by all her ex-colleagues. Um, They're saying, this is what we've had to deal with for years, this girl. I'll get you her name. Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, see, see the picture, I might remember it, because I remember it, Emmerdale. Yeah, um, maybe it might but, not but, be Emmerdale. <laughs> But, but, didn't they have, um... but then she has gone on. So I don't know who's advising her. Then she's gone on to do this other celebrity island thing, like a celebrity island something or other. Yeah. She came out after the second day because the campfire reminded her of um, her house burning down when she was like three years old. What? Like, so she's gone from one celebrity thing to another celebrity thing to try and get her profile, up. profile back up because obviously she got so it got so bad. Yeah. When she was in Celebrity Big Brother, literally a week or two weeks between the two, and then she's come back up. I just think this poor girl; she just needs, she just mm. needs advising better, and I think she just needs to go and maybe chill out for a little yeah. while and not worry. Talk, about talking it. of that, I watched Celebrity Big Brother accident because I think the final one got like less than a million viewers or something or other, didn't it? It was so Roxanne Pallet. Yeah, I don't know who she is. No, I haven't got a clue. But then I saw um, I watched a, a documentary on Amy Winehouse the other day. Oh, oh, what I a, think I might a horrific story. That. I know she, she again. She and her dad. Her dad was such solid to her, wasn't she? Yeah. Wasn't he? And, yeah. And, and you understand the tunes better now, don't you? Because of yeah. the words. It was brilliant, <laughs> outstanding. Well done, the BBC. It was a fantastic program. So what's that woman called? Roxanne Pallet. Roxanne Pallet. Yeah, so she must have some, some demons and stuff like that. that she help. has. She needs to come away from the telly. She needs to come away from celebrity TV. And yeah. I think these casting agents, obviously obviously Big Brother probably didn't know that was what's going on. But the, whoever mm. ce- the celebrity island was, I think it might be ITV or ITVB or something like that. They should be flipping yeah. told off. Put on the naughty set because yeah. she so shouldn't have been cast. It's not fair. No, but the thing is to say that they're getting a the profile <laughs> up. They're earning loads and loads of money. Uh, I know, that's, but that's that's not, money's not always the thing. Yeah, they don't know until they get there, do they? That's the trouble. They just think it should be really, really good for you. Blah, 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 blah. And off they go. Yeah. And then how much damage they do. No, such it's, a shame. Yeah, shame. Emmerdale. She was Emmerdale. Right, I'll have a look at her now. Okay. Right, so we're going to catch up with the lovely Amber Tremaine. 
Oh, we're going to go back the other way. We're going. We're going wherever we are. We're going. Well, oh, I see what we're doing this week. So we've gone Twitter trends because Amber's yeah. a little bit late, bless her, because she's so busy. Yeah. There's a new vet experience in Portsmouth. It's thevet.co.uk and they certainly know their business. They have high-tech facilities, are highly trained and are pet owners too. With walk-in appointments, plenty of parking, open every day, including evenings and weekends, taking care of your furry friend couldn't be easier. And the low price guarantee means they're the most affordable vet in town. Register your pet online today and get £5 off your first visit. T's and C's apply. See the full range of services at thevet.co.uk. We will do. Hello to Claire and all the gang. There we are. Hey. Hello, Amber Tremaine is in the building. Hello. Hello. Are you right? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm back from my punishments because obviously I loved you so much the first time that I've come back again. <laughs> Lou, so st- Lou Whitmore have, still here as well. We have done your interview. We've done your interview. Your um, big up. <laughs> your biog. Oh, have you? It, t- it took like, I don't know, a good hour to go through everything the biog, before yeah. it was done. Oh. Yeah, oh. it's pretty impressive. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, to be honest with you, it's... I hadn't realised how many crazy and amazing things I'd done until I had to sit down and write, write everything out recently, yeah, for kind of a new venture that I'm just about to go and do. And um, I kind of looked back on loads of things and it just kind of filled my heart with so much stuff that I've, I've been able to kind yeah. of do and, and be given the opportunity to do. So, yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was nice to write it down as well. And your story is amazing. Obviously, I've written about you yeah, in you the did, past, yeah. um, but, you know... I think obviously it's the love of a very very strong mama oh, that yeah. um, <laughs> has got you through so much stuff. Absolutely, yeah. and glued you all together. Because there's how many children? In we the... got the six daughters. The Von... How many children in the Von Trapps? <laughs> Seven. <laughs> Seven. A busy mum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, there's lot. There's... Oh, the Von Trapps. Yeah, uh, no, you're the Von Trapps. Oh there. yeah. Oh, oh, no, let me go back. The Von Trapps are seven. We got six. But if we're going to throw my mum in, then, you know, yeah, well, yeah she can be on trap. Yeah, totally. All singing family. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I just wanted to take you back because it was really interesting because you actually did win one of the very first um, mm, yeah. reality TV yeah. Find a Star. It was just before things like um, Pop Idol, Pop Stars, The Rivals. So it's literally in the same kind of year as that. And it was um, a program called This Is My Moment. I was on the second series of that and I think they might have had three series. I'm not sure the third one was hugely popular because things like Pop Idol and everything mm. started. But um, yeah, this is my moment hosted by Mel B from the Spice Girls. Saturday night primetime TV. Who was your favourite Spice Girl then? Um, well, I'm obviously going to have to say Mel now because she's yeah. lovely. Um, but I did love baby spice because she was blonde and she used to wear these really cute little baby doll dresses and i think for a, a section of my teenage years i wanted to be her so yeah <laughs> i'm gonna have to go with baby yeah is it still quite vivid in your mind everything that happened or is it sort of like yeah i i honestly can't believe it, it was 2001 that yeah. it doesn't feel like it was that long ago mm. i still remember everything um about that time in my life and and also um some of those gigs that I was doing at that time, I hadn't really done anything up until that point. I mean, I hadn't even joined a band at that point. Were you karaokeing? Yeah, just just literally singing in a karaoke. And, you know, mum kind of, you know, introduced me to um, that kind of social element and going out and doing a bit of singing. And up until that point, I think I'd maybe won a karaoke competition in a local pub. And, and so, yeah, when This Is My Moment came around, uh, everything from that point was new. So I can still remember everything really vividly. Mm. Um, so, yeah, every gig, every opportunity, um, 
you know, buying my first kind of PA equipment, that kind of stuff. So everything is very, very fresh. And when I think about it being this far, you know, kind of past that time in my life, I can't believe how much I've crammed in. Basically. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So it's so how many years is that? My math is terrible. Two thousand and one. How long is that? Seventeen. Seventeen. Seventeen years. years so you you'd had your baby. God. Yeah, he was so four months old. Four months old, and you from memory, you recorded your interview over the phone to start with. Or yeah. So. To, to kind of get on this TV show, yeah. you had to sing down the phone for 30 seconds. And I remember it was a particularly traumatising time in my life. Um, not just because I'd had a baby who was four months old and I was young, um, but I had this really unfortunate incident that happened um, where I ended up in the middle um, of a fairground and getting beaten up and uh, put into hospital um, by, by a group of young teenagers basically and and it was a really really tricky time and I think it kind of set me um back a little bit it made me a bit of a recluse I got very ill and didn't want to go out anywhere and I had this newborn baby and it was a really tough time but um my mum's friend gave her this number which said please ring this phone number you can enter a competition and gave it to her for one of my younger sisters um, but she was too young to enter. So I had it and they said, oh, well, you do it. You know, it could be just a thing that you need. Like mum was really encouraging. And then I remember being on my own on a Sunday morning. Um, I just had a bath and I was in the bedroom with a towel around me. <laughs> and, I, and I just remember looking at the bit of paper and thinking, oh, I think I might do this. So I called it and sang for 30 seconds the best part of the song down the phone to what them. What song did you do? I did Over the Rainbow, which yeah. was the one I went on to the show and did. Yeah. Um, so I, I sang this bit down the phone and then I didn't hear anything for days, really. I think it was about five days. And between that time, the, they had like a prelim show that used to go out on a Wednesday evening and then mm. the final would be on the Saturday. Um, and the prelim show had come and gone. I still hadn't heard anything. I was like, oh, well, that's, that's me done then. And then on the Friday afternoon, mm. I got a phone call from Granada Studios just saying, you've been selected. Can you come to Manchester this Sunday? And I was... Babysitter? Yeah, I was thinking, um... (laughs) And I just said, yes, I can. And I was pushing Joshua down the street in a pushchair on my way to my mum's house. And I just remember... I don't even remember getting to my mum's. I was just thinking, oh, my God, you know, I have to go to Granada Studios. And then, yeah, like I packed a case. And on the Sunday, we were told that if you're successful, then you stay for the following week. And if you're not successful, then you go home. So I took a case and Joshua was being looked after by his granddad and... And we all went up to Manchester and I never came home again. So it was that quick, basically, that quick. So, yeah. Crazy. Crazy. So um, that whole moment when they you do your song and then they leave you hanging, don't they? They leave you hanging. Oh, it was on Terrible. stage so how many so how did that process work because this is a weekly thing like now like x factor yeah. you're week in week out it's commitment for like three months and you get well, you know it was it's slightly different it had like a different winner each week okay. so it was like a six-week program yeah um and then you would enter one week midweek you would um that you'd enter one week by the end of the week you'd be up auditioning in manchester the following week you would be on a prelim show and then that saturday night you were live tv so it kind of took about a week and a half in the process Mm. to kind of get on but it was real time so you would enter and then you might have that phone call that week so it wasn't like you went for auditions the month before but the thing was is um i was one of fifty-five thousand people that rang that week wow so it's a it's a, when you think about it in the grand scheme of things now, mm. that's like saying um, there's an open audition, fifty five thousand people walk in. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So you can yeah. see why they need to filter it now. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I was one of fifty five thousand. Got through, 
and I went into the top 50 for just that week. There are people that rang every single week to try and get on. Yeah. And then from that 50 on the day, they chose five. And then that, those five stayed on and kind of competed on Saturday Night TV. So it was, um, wow. yeah. It was, scary? Yeah, really scary. I was 20. Yeah, I was 20. And how did it feel when you realised, when, when did it sink in that you'd won? Well, I went, uh, I remember we all went up, um, and my mum and everyone there were the whole day in Manchester and we were kind of in this room. And I, I, looked, I looked back at the footage the other day, actually, it made me laugh because we had to wear like these tabards <laughs> like, like basketball players or something it was very very unglamorous it was very raw very real um and wasn't like it is now where it's mm. all kind of tv crews around your house for a month beforehand getting backstory and everything so it was very honest very real very unglamorous and i remember i sat in a room and there was just one makeup woman going around just touching up a few little bits for people and checking everyone's okay and there was no no like backstories, no nothing really. I mean, I had a brief chat with someone outside the door before I stepped in. No mentoring, no, no nothing. sort of like what you're going to expect. No, nothing. And and all I was really given was, by the way, um, you know, you're going to go in in a minute, you're going to sing for a panel of producers. So there was no famous judges or anything like that. Yeah. It was just production stuff. And uh, yeah, uh, we were, we spoke for about five minutes before I went in about about my current situation, about like I was telling you about the kind of stuff that had been going on um, and how I'd got to the point where I was ready to do something like this. I went in and I handed them a, I think a piece of paper, maybe with my name on, I can't remember what it was. It was just some sort of info mm. sheet. Went in and then I was asked to sing and I sang my song and they were like, thank you very much. And then I walked out. It was, there was nothing glamorous about it at all. And then I think, when I watched the footage back the other day and I realised that they'd taken a Polaroid and just stuck them on the wall and were like eliminating Polaroids, you know, it's so different now, you know. But, um, well, so yeah, now, now they've it. got the production behind them now, haven't they? Because yeah. they can afford it. Well, I, I'm really, really proud that I was part of a, like, you know, kind of a, a pilot for something like this. I mean, I, I'm not sure they intended for it to be a pilot, but they knew there was something in it. Yeah. Um, and, and I also am I'm really, really proud that it took a week out of my life and it changed my life for... For absolute ever, basically, and I walked away with a cash prize as well, and it was mm. it was just so it was of, over one hundred and fifty thousand, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah, one hundred and fifty two thousand pounds. Phenomenal, wow. life changing money. It absolutely was, and <laughs> but nobody to mentor you, nobody to tell you this is the next thing. It's no. just do a record contract now. Let's do this, that, no, and the other. No, nothing. I wa- I walked there. It was a talent show. It was a, it was an actual talent show. It was like yeah. um, your karaoke on a larger scale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and I got up and sang, and then I won. And I think it was uh, it was like three hundred and four thousand public votes. So there was a lot of people behind mm. me, which was really lovely. Um, and it's only really now in reflection that you can think, you know, that's a lot of people. Imagine if you filled a stadium with that amount of people to support you, and it kind of you know fills your heart with a little bit of warmth, knowing that people picked up the phone. Yeah. They spent a pound of their money, and and for every pound, fifty p came back right to the winner. And so, you know, I ended up with one hundred and fifty two grand in my pocket. And yeah, but but that was it. It was like a well done. Here's your money. See you later. Have a lovely life. <laughs> that was it. And I was twenty, renting a house. I'd had a four month old baby, and so it it came with kind of blessings and curses. I mean, the blessing was I had no money and I didn't mm. have any direction. Um, and it gave me those things. Uh, and the curse was I had no one to talk me through this stuff. Um, if it had been now, there are so many more mm. ways that you could um, benefit from all of those things given to you. So um, I had to learn a lot 
the hard way, probably about 10 years afterwards. I was yeah. still learning. Um, so yeah. fast forwarding now to 2018. Yeah. Oh, um, God. So you've obviously, in your tradition, you, you are part of the um, UVG. So you are a, you've created a charity with your friend, Charlie. Yes, I did. And um, Charlie Fletcher. And you did this because of what you went through, do you think? Um, Explain what they do. Yeah, okay. So, so in a nutshell, now um, the UVG, the Urban Vocal Group, is a free-to-access young persons music charity. That's what it is in a nutshell. But um, it started off with like eight singers, and those eight singers had uh, come from a couple of schools that I was kind of teaching a bit of confidence, Mm. kind of singing skills and stuff to. And so we brought them together in one room, in one room where they could meet other people. Um, and then it grew and grew and grew. And then 10 years, like you say, 10 years later, from eight to over 120 people accessing it every single week is a huge thing. And then obviously with it growing, um, the demand for it grows a little bit more. So we obviously have developed things like workshops and mm. training. We also created an adult vocal group, which was fee paying because everything's free for kids. And we thought we'd start a fee paying adult group, which would help to become a business and feed directly back into the charity. And it's just grown and grown and grown. And it's still Charlie and myself kind of very much at the helm. But we've now been able to employ um, previous young people that have grown up and become tutors themselves. Um, I've got, I've roped in a couple of my sisters to become tutors. It's just, it's really organic and it feels like it's a massive, massive family, but it has been 10 years in the making. And, and it kind of came about because we wanted to sing, we wanted to do music, we wanted to offer something um, that actually was quite inaccessible to, to people, young people, mm. especially with the birth of like um, reality TV. Um, when I left school, I came home and everything I wanted to do within creative arts was in London. And you had to get on a train and go and stand in Pineapple Studios all day if you wanted to be considered for like a cruise ship or, you know, a West End production or something like that. And it was very, very much... Um, in London, you know, kind of. And then fast forward a few years later with the birth of reality TV, it kind of made you realise that um, there is so much more um, available to you, like a DIY kind of setting, if you see what I mean. Mm. Everything's changed. Like YouTube has been born. Yeah, it's not only... It's it's, um, online, so you've got... You've got yeah. YouTube. You can literally got... type in something, find it, find a tutorial on it. and, and Learn it. Uh, yeah, and learn it. But the thing was, none of that was available to me when I was younger. And so when UVG came about, it was almost like um, using all the training that I'd learned, but to bring it to a really local setting for young people that mm. probably would struggle to access stuff like that. That's how it started. And then reality TV kicked off and then every kid wanted to be famous on X Factor. So we kind of made it our mission um, for anyone. I mean, we're not saying yes or no to those routes because I've been there and I've done that. So I I would never have any room to say you shouldn't do it. But just to let them know that there is so much more um, available to them rather than just that. You know, there's this whole world of music and creativity um, and they can come and get it for free. The thing is, as you say, it's a, the, the, the quick fix, isn't it? You go on X Factor and stuff like that and you think, this is going to change my life forever. Yeah. And you, you see them on, on, on the stage and they say, this is the most, you know, what, would, what would it mean to you to be, oh, it would be everything in my whole mm. wide world? And you just feel that offer. Yeah. yeah. And you see them like two years down the line, yeah. pantoing at the King's Theatre. Do you know it? what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what though, right? This this is this is where um I've made like an observation. There mm. are some people, let's just say people my age now, I'm, I'm a... a 37 years old um and they're kind of people in their 30s 40s even 50s sometimes that have become seasoned performers and they might actually think do you know what 
I don't mm. care now. I'm going to go and put myself out there. I've got this voice. Let's go and have a laugh. Let's have let's have a good time with this and see where it takes me. And it might raise their profile and get them better paid work. That's that's one avenue. Yeah, yeah. And then there are some young people who perhaps um, uh, display this amazing quality, this star quality, but they might not have a support network around them. Like their parents might be, you know, a school teacher and, and a doctor or something. They don't have anything musical in their family. There's nothing around them to access. So this might be the best mm. avenue for them to have somebody come in and mentor them. But But more than anything... There are lots of young people that step out on a stage because they've been told they're a good singer or they, they mm. you know, they do a little bit of singing in their bedroom, whatever. The one thing they haven't learned how to do yet is to take rejection. And I think that is the problem is is some it can make people feel like their whole world has ended if they don't win something or if they don't get something or if they don't go through to the next round. And it's because they haven't yet discovered how it feels to um, fail. To fail. Mm. And, and and also some of these young people, the reason why two years down the line... Nanny state. Yeah. The reason why, <laughs> you know, two years down the line, um, they are singing in their local or they've been dropped by their record label was because they were given this huge opportunity with no training mm. beforehand. They didn't know how to plug something in or how to spend a few weeks working on a song or, you know, thinking about um, what route they want to go down. They were just thrust into this kind of environment, expected to know what to do. And when the first thing falls or fails, they're dropped. And that is how music works. That's how that's how a traditional, you know, record label or record deal does work. You know, you, you get put in a queuing system. And if you're you're not that top front kind of, you know, earner at that year, then you're shelved and then you're probably dropped. And then you might have to start all over again. But uh, do you think that the, the industry has changed more significantly than when it, because it used to be you had, you had a, you know, an album, yeah. you're an artist, it might not be that successful, but the, 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 the company would still, yeah, st- still be behind you, wouldn't yeah. it? And they'd say, right, let's see this what is, we can yeah, do. This but is now the thing, it's yeah. like, it's quick fix, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think, like, this is what, this is why um, organically and, you know, reality TV are two very, very different things. They yeah. can cross over, but if you want to take a reality TV view, uh, you know, kind of way in, then um, I think that it's probably best for young people that have had some sort of training. Mm. You know, this is why we do things like UVG, because we know kids are going to want to go off and do yeah, something. Yeah. They're chasing that next thing. But you know what? If they've done three or four years in an organisation where they they have kind of tested the water, learnt a little bit about the craft, you know, brushed up on their techniques, learnt how to go out and gig, then you know what? When they take those next steps and they go down that route then that'd be fine. And if that doesn't pan out for them, then they might go, do you know what? I'm going to form a band. I'm going to go yeah. start something else. That's cool. Um, and then there are, you know, you know, the old fashioned record label deal, you know, you would kind of be picked up, you know, and kind of said, oh, you know, you've got a great voice, kid. Let's make you a star, you know, and taken off to a studio and developed. They don't, you don't have that now. Loads of record labels um, are probably more likely to work with you if you've already built up some sort of fan base because mm. it, 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 they're relying on you to self-promote. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, it just seems that it's not as traditional as it used to be, where they would discover an artist and then do a lot of kind of A and R back work into developing that artist and making them really, really kind of forefront, kind of cool finding them the right music producers, the right yeah. songs. Now it's like, okay, well, how many social media followers have you got? Okay, so yeah, so who, who have you got backing you? You know, what have you done? Have you got any demos? It's like, actually, there was this time when it was like you discovered somebody singing on the street and you'd be like, I want to work with you. Yeah, yeah. And now it's not so much like yeah. that. Yeah, I also sort of go to, um, the, the, you know, you look at Take That. 
and why yeah. they were so successful because they, obviously the, the groundwork they did for about three years before exactly. they actually made they, it. They were in development, and, yeah. and and you know what? They don't really get classed as uh, well. No, they're not. They're not kind of a reality um, TV thing, but they were manufactured. Mm. You know, and so there was this old. The old phrase was um, sort of like eighties, nineties. Oh, they're a manufactured group, like Spice Girls, Take That, Boy Zone, all mm. those things. They're very, very successful. Even like you know, boys to men and American kind of artists, NSYNC, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. They were they were manufactured because somebody saw the potential in them, saw a business plan, put them together, let them be developed, and then they've come out and they've they're all strong individual, yeah, yeah. you know, on their own, whether or not they've become actors or, you know, um international idiots. <laughs> international superstars. But, you know, they were manufactured and, and I think that what's taken the place of manufactured bands is reality T V. Mm. And and I think now they're this, it's the same product, but one's in your face all the time yeah. and measured and you can see development from here to there. It's the same thing. It's the same model. And you but... either get really lucky like One Direction or, you yeah. know, um, Girls Aloud. Exactly. Or, you know, you do get sort of left. Yeah, I think I think manufactured bands that take that, they had longer um, developing themselves than mm. they do now. You're like, you're expected to have, have that process one. in 10 weeks. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? In 10 weeks for X Factor, for instance, and three years for, for a, a long lasting band like Take That. You know, they took a bit of a break, but they came back strong and music was in there. So. Yeah, yeah, but I think if you look at Take That and, and the, the songwriting, it's, you know, from, from their roots and stuff like that, for someone like Gary Barlow, it's yeah. just, you know, there, there was that strength of the record company just at that time went, yeah, yeah. let's just go with it, what they're you doing. Know, you know, also with Gary Barlow, um, as a songwriter, like you say, he he had a massive hand in developing the band's sound mm. from the moment they launched. Whereas a lot of X Factor artists, the reason why they they aren't here anymore in two years' time is because they were given a sound that wasn't theirs, and mm. then they they had to use that as a platform. Then they go yeah. away, yeah. and then they restructure everything, and they get new writers. They sign with a new label. They get a new image, and then they reinvent themselves as to who they're supposed to be. That's traditionally now what you see all the time. So it's not you're not being yourself. You're not being because you've seen no. that side. Because you write, you've written for X Factor. We we had a really amazing opportunity to to work with some producers um, and, and write some music with X Factor artists in mind. Like we went in and did a brief for James Arthur and, and you know, and it was really, really nice to kind of get into that mental state. We went in and we got a brief to write for something for Sam Bailey. Um, both of those things, by the time we'd finished those songs and got them ready, those artists had changed. Mm. They'd become different people. You know, Sam Bailey, she has this big powerhouse vocal and it was perfect for Leonie, who was our lead singer, who was our lead singer and, and it kind of like writes all the lyrics and everything as well. And by the time we'd polished this amazing song, which could have quite easily have been done perfectly by her, um, they'd given her a covers album to release for Mother's Day. Then she was dropped. And it's yeah. just like, it's evolving so So she quickly. could have done something totally different, gone down a totally different Absolutely. route. Absolutely. Um, and also, but the one, you know, the, the kind of success story that we have in, in terms of how far we'd got with that was we were put in a room with Ella Henderson. Now, Ella Henderson wasn't an X Factor winner. She went out in week six, I think. Yeah. She yeah. was up against James Arthur and he went on to win. So obviously it was a, it was a good battle for kind of who's going to say who's going to go. And she's gone on to make the most amazing name for herself as a young um, artist, she she got taken straight to America. She had some great writers, One Republic, Ryan Tedder, and all those people kind of got right behind her. Um, and she released some amazing stuff. But she did come down to Portsmouth and sit in our studio with us. All very, very top secret. We had to turn off everything, or, you know, <laughs> all of our kind of um, maps on our phones and Twitter, everything. Because we had people saying, when is, Hella, when is Ella here? Where is she here? Where are you? We want to see her. Where? And we were like, 
this is actually happening now. And, you know, we met her mm. in Brighton. We confirmed a date. She came round to Portsmouth. We sat and wrote a song. We've got, you know, a really nice little demo with her vocal on it. And, you know, it just, sometimes you, you get the cut, sometimes you don't. Yeah. But it's the people and the networking that you meet along the way. And, you yeah. know, and we can now, first name terms, go and speak to people at Psycho or Sony and just be like, oh, hello, you know, they'll ask how you're doing and, that kind I think of stuff, I think know. I think with any walk of life, with any job you do, whatever you do, if you're personable and you yeah. go that extra mile, absolutely, you're going to get noticed, and you're going if you work harder and you do extra bits, then you are going to get noticed, and you will get remembered, and you yeah. will get the work. I think. And the thing is with with writing music, I mean, it took us a while to settle into what we wanted to do. Like we wrote music and then we became a band and then our band got discovered and then we signed a record deal. We were like, oh my God, we have made it. And that's not what happened. You know, it, it we then were told, right, your songs are good, but um, let's go and get the best songs now. We're going to put you in some co-writing situations. And I, we were like, oh, you know, we've never written our music with somebody else before, yeah. but it was the best thing we ever did because it really, really helped us to become better writers and not just for ourselves, but for other people. Then these opportunities opened up. Um, but sometimes it isn't it isn't quick, you know, mm. and, and we're still, we've had a couple of cuts, you know, and a few like dance tracks that have come out and we've written some really credible stuff and we put our name on the map as far as we could take it. Um, but this is a slow burner, you know. We might write a song, we might have written a song five years ago and it might get used in three years' time and it might be the right time for that one track to come out that can change our lives. You know, you, yeah. you can't yeah. give up on it. You just have to keep going, keep going. And, um, and yeah, like lots of amazing things are now starting to come back to us after we sowed those seeds kind of, yeah, like, you know, yeah, yeah. five, so six years ago. Again, yeah, absolutely. So, so what's your, your, your sort of your, your tips if you're if you're out there, say, for example, you know, you're a radio presenter and you know, <laughs> quite quite good looking um, and you think to yourself, I want to be a singer. <laughs> yeah, bust a groove. And you're thinking, right, you know, I want to sort of write some songs and so, so where do we go? Okay, right. So, um, well, in your case, Darren, because I think you're talking about yourself here. Never, <laughs> never. I'm just looking across at uh, the other guy over there. Um, yeah. So, 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 so what would advice to be to someone who wants, who's just starting out? Um, well, I would say, um, as I've, I've heard quite a lot recently, um, ultimately, a great song is a great song. Mm. And so never, ever lose focus. Uh, if you want to be a songwriter, then you just have to keep writing, even if it's just notes or it's just something or you hear a line or a concept for a song. Just keep making those notes because you might not get to use them, but that might become really useful to yeah. you. Yeah. You just don't know where things are going to go. So I would say to continue writing or getting your writers down. And you know what? If you struggle to write, um, there are lots of other people out there. This is where I think a lot of people, young people especially, um, kind of come unstuck. They hit a wall and they think, I can't write anymore. I, I don't know what to do. But then you might be able to hook up with a guitarist or someone who plays the piano or even attend free things. Look at what's in your area and, and kind yeah. of access get it. Get some inspiration. Get some inspiration. I mean, that's one thing we offer is, is you know, the chance for people to come and mix with other people. We do workshops and kind of writing masterclasses, that kind of thing, just to help you with a bit of inspiration. But also, on the flip side, you know, some amazing singers don't need to necessarily be the writer. They can be the vessel. And, you know, mm. some of the biggest artists in the world, Whitney Houston, never wrote a song. So, you know, and she was... Lazy cat. No, <laughs> Rubbish. <laughs> but, you know... She for a while. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love oh, her. I love her. We love a bit of Whitney. <laughs> All I'm saying is, is, is... I think that a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves. Mm. If you want a career in kind of writing 
or releasing original material. There are lots of ways of doing that. And I would say, obviously, one is to get as much down as you can. When you need the help, look for somebody else to do a little bit. Co-writing is amazing because you might end up writing a lot of songs that might not be perfect for you, but they could be your fortune. They could be for somebody else. Mm. So that's always a really handy way of looking at it. Um, And Mm. also, don't be afraid to sing and interpret other people's music. Um, I'm a real kind of... I, I would never, ever... In fact, some people recently have dissed going down the covers route. Um, but you know what? Everyone is inspired by something. Mm. And and if we didn't sing or get inspired by somebody else's music, we would never have the knowledge to create our own. Um, and so... Yeah, go back to, to, to covers then. Do you think yeah. it's best to do a, co- uh, a cover of a song as the original or do you think it's best to flip it? I don't mind either way. I'm not offended by how... You slow, like you did, you slowed down like Swedish House Mafia, which is Yeah, we, we, and... we do... I'm in a... I'm in a band called Blame Jones and yeah. we are an originals band. We've written, you know, multiple albums worth of music. Um, we've changed direction. We've grown older. We've had families. You know, sometimes your personal projects um, slip past you, but other opportunities present themselves. And this other opportunity that presented itself was us working um, with another producer, <laughs> funnily enough, a guy called Matt Johnson, who was in One True Voice on X Factor. Um, so we ended up this kind of partnership thing for Spotify. And what that was, was stripping down um, either well-known songs or bang up-to-date chart songs, billboard chart stuff, um, and doing a very, very stripped down kind of beautiful take on these songs. And they were being playlisted for things like weddings, um, you know, uh, venues across the world. Yeah. And this is a whole area that people, some people don't know how to tap into yet. And it was until we did it, we could have just walked right past this opportunity. Um, and what it's done for us is it's helped us to get this huge reach mm. of people um, with the help of people like Matt um, and Jay Reynolds, who's an amazing producer in London. Um, myself, Leonie, my sister, and Andy Dixon, who are um, three members of our originals band, decided to create this project called Blame Jones. And every kind of week we go in, we record um, another cover, but we tend to strip it down and make it our own, completely different sometimes to the original. And, um, and then they get used in the right areas but globally and it has just gone mental you know and do you get paid on spotify for yeah. doing so well, you'll get like thing. this income coming yeah. in that you're not really we having now, to work at well you did work at it but yeah. it's no i mean it, it's it's you forget it's work that's the thing you forget it's work because it's a structure structured in your weekly kind of calendar we invest a day of our lives um every single week to being in in the studio, listening, appreciating somebody else's music, putting our own stamp on it. You know, Andy does an amazing job of producing it, sends it off to the other guys. They tie up all the loose ends and put the whistles and bows on. Then Matt's job is to um, get it playlisted. And then he, he finds the appropriate playlist across the world. The more bigger profile those playlists get, the more hits you're generating, the more streams you're getting, yeah. the more revenue that's being generated. Do you see what I mean? And, and the original artists and composers get their cut first. And then whatever's left comes back to those who have done this rearrangement. Yeah. And you know what? We're making money from it. Well, yeah, that's great. And, that's and, what we're doing, isn't it? And, it? and you know what? And, and we can have families and we can chill. Carry and on. We yeah. can carry can I on. Just quick, before, before we <laughs> yeah, go, can I honestly. just home in on um, just the fact that you've sung with like Boy George? Yes. So that, well, that <laughs> is a... Is that like obviously I want to hear like your bigger moment? So okay. How did Boy George come along? <laughs> well, actually, that was um, that's partly down to Leonie actually and uh, her her great use of Twitter at the time. Okay. But um, yeah, we we happened to be um, picked up by a, 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 
a manager in Portsmouth and he put us on the bill with another band that he was managing at the time. Do and, I know this manager? Uh, you know Jeff Powell? Yeah, I love, yeah, yeah, Jeff, love yeah. Jeff Powell. Yeah, so Jeff Jeff um, saw us and asked us to play at his birthday party and then he was like, actually, I think you guys, we should sign you. And so we did a couple of gigs with another guy and um, we met a saxophonist in his band, a nice guy called James. And James at the time was playing for Boy George as a session player. And that was it. It was exciting for him. It, that was his life and mm. definitely wasn't ours at the time. You know, yeah. we were kind of just starting out. And then, um, yeah, he he messaged uh, us once or twice to kind of say, you know, oh, you should kind of get in there. And then one day, Boy George um, posted something on Twitter. I don't, I don't even remember what it was. Posted something on Twitter. And then Leonie directly messaged him and said something back, kind of tongue in cheek. And he randomly just messaged her back and said something really cheeky, like, oh, is that your, is that your natural colour hair then? And it started off a conversation. And with our, you know, friendship with James, who was his saxophonist, he obviously put in a, you know, a good word there. But the rest of it was communication between him and Leonie. And before we knew it, he asked Leonie to come up and sing on a dance track of his. Very, very kind of like exciting, really random. So Leonie jumped on the train went up and worked with with him. He met her at the train station, you know, in, in his beanie hat and his, you know, kind of duffel coat and picked her up and they went to a studio. They did a song together. And then it was like, thank you very much, paid her. You know, it was really, really nice. Um, she came home and then we didn't hear anything. I don't think we were expecting to hear anything. It was like one of those really random moments that happened for her. And, uh, and then uh, a little while later, we phone call from his producer who is long-term producer a guy called kevin frost who works with him um and he he basically said oh don't suppose you girls would be up for laying down some bvs on on boy george's original material and apparently he'd said i really need i really need some blue-eyed soul in in my band you know he had a couple of really really great soul singers from basement jacks and some other stuff yeah. that work with him long term he said but i really really want kind of a a pretty kind of uh, female vocal kind of soul approach um and kevin said well what about you know leany i know she's got a sister they sing uh, he said yeah get them in let's see what happens so we went up we we did these three songs with kevin and uh, Boy George wasn't in the room or anything. He did, I think he FaceTimed at one point just to see if everything was going all right. But that was as far as it got. And uh, we did these three songs and we kind of smashed them out in an afternoon. They were really great. And then... I think I remember the tweet or the Instagram or something when yeah. you said Facebook. Like, ah! I know. Well, the thing is, the, the album is <laughs> actually brilliant. You know, it's it's called um, This Is What I Do. It was his first solo album, um, of, well, since Culture Club. And then um, he... Uh, he then released it and it was great. We saw it get released and it was fantastic. And he went with one of our songs as the lead single, which was King of Everything. Fantastic song. And then I think it might have been, well, Leonie had just had her daughter and I'm pretty sure Penny was about four weeks old. And we got a phone call saying, girls, are you free next week? And we said, yes. Well, what's up? And he said, well, we're going to Paris. And uh, George has asked if you'll come with us. His other two singers can't make it. And we said, okay. And uh, we went up to a guy called John Themis's house. We worked through the tracks. He sent us them. We let us kind of just learn the material. It included um, uh, two of the tracks, I think, from the new album and um, Come a Chameleon and Everything I Own, a few other classics in there. And then before we knew it, we were all, including Boy George, on the Eurostar, off to Paris. And we did two or three TV shows, um, some kind of appearances and things came home and then I I repeated it I went back and did another load with him um shortly afterwards and and that was that you know it was just 
crazy. You know, from one minute kind of sat, you know, thinking, oh, how are we going to, how are we going to push ourselves as a band to, oh, we're just going to nip off <laughs> to um to Paris and we're just going to do some work with Boy George. It's really cool. I'd, I'd do that when I'd go nip down a costume. Yeah. I end up, you know, singing by the street performance down there. Of course, yeah. of course, yeah. That's what it is. That's my role. <laughs> and I just want to talk really, really quickly before we wind up. Um, obviously, your love for Eva Cassidy yeah. uh, from your first edition ever to get onto the show to yeah. where it's landed you now. Okay, so, yeah, we did, um, I did uh, Over the Rainbow, Eva Cassidy's version, which hadn't long um, hit, um, uh, I think it was uh, BBC Two, BBC Two with um, Terry Wogan. He was a massive, massive Eva Cassidy fan. He brought that kind of mm. um, sound over from a trip. She'd already passed away and, and he, he put it on Top of the Pops 2, that was it. Do you remember Top of the Pops 2? Mm. These are little recaps. And they used to do like a, a section at the end where they would play something. Um, and I remember my mum and I, me, myself and my sisters, it was on the telly. And I remember we came in and we watched this like captivating performance of Eva Cassidy doing over the rainbow, black and white footage. I'll never forget, we were all just sat there watching it and, and it just, you know, this whole kind of sound, kind of soundscape opened up to me. And then I chose that song to sing on the TV show and that song changed my life. And I think it's not just the message, it's the arrangement, it was the, what you interpret that song to be. It kind of really touched everyone. And then I sang it probably about a million times afterwards at different events and different things. Fast forward a few years later, you know, our band were on MySpace and uh, a producer found us on MySpace and took us up and said, let's do some work together. Found out about this backstory and said, oh, you never guess who I work with. And he had a link with a record label called Blick Street Records in Washington. And one of their big kind of artists that they represent and look after was the Eva Cassidy stuff, the foundation, all her music and her parents. And so there was this very strange ghostly link between um, what we were doing in Harrow Mm. in a studio with broken headphones um, and this huge, great big artist that sadly had become famous, um, you know, after her time. And then one day we got a phone call saying they are um, remastering and releasing some unheard um, material that Eva Cassidy's done. We want to offer you the chance to do some backing vocals on it, but there's no guarantee it will make the album. So we said, okay, this is amazing. So we went up to Harrow one day. We stood in this ramshackle home-built studio in a shed and they had one set of headphones that were broken in half. So Leonie and I had a can each, basically. And we always used to deliver our vocals together. We would double track. We were very, very in sync with each other. So we used to work like that. And yeah, we, we we sang this song... Um, uh, we did Son of a Preacher Man, remastered new version of that that she'd performed, and we did Chain of Fools, which was a song that she did, um, and it was great. We ended up writing some new parts in it and kind of putting some kind of new twists on on the track, and then months went by, and then we got the phone call from America saying, um, you know, you should count yourself very lucky, girls. You're the only other backing vocalist that I've ever made it onto an Eva Cassidy song so far, outside of her, you know, kind of performance that you see, and one of the songs has made the album. So Chain of Fools, track four, I think it was in there, um, had made the album, and uh, I remember I got sent a listening copy. Um, to start off with which I cried about so I cried about that <laughs> and then uh, you know about a year after it was released um, I got a message from a guy called Tom who was kind of managing everything at the time and we'd kind of lost contact with them and he said oh um, we're sending you something what's your address 
sent us something and you know just to say thanks and I had to go and collect it from the post office and, and I actually thought it was going to be like um, a plaque or something like you know like maybe yeah. like a, a, a thanks for your work you know it was fantastic and when I opened it and I realised it was a gold disc um, with my name on it and, wow. and it's it basically for my country well mine and Lini because we were both vocalists on it um, for our contributions to sales in America uh, in, in the UK um, so that's my first gold disc with my name on attached to the Eva Cassidy album and I just suddenly thought wow that hot just that one song mm. has led me to this point and 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 also in the album sleeve you know they put a fantastic write-up about um myself and Leonie, but also included the show the tv show and you know and so i felt i have always felt just from that one song very very connected to her in some way even yeah. if it's just through the music you know but yeah it's it's an amazing just go back to what we thing. said before you know about if you if you if you cover a song yeah. you can flip it and do because her can, version can, is still i mean her she completely changed she changes everything that she's done i mean there's some a, yeah. a songbird for instance you know for yeah. mac it's just they're just such beautiful versions and and i and i wholly adopt the attitude that she seems to put across when she sings which is if you totally believe in that song yeah, you are doing yeah. even if you're still singing it to a back and track or it's the same version if you totally believe and engage in the lyrics that you are singing and the melody that you are putting out there then that becomes your song mm. you know regardless of how you do it and then from those feelings you take that into your own material and yeah I, I feel like that song became part of my DNA, basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been amazing to you talk know. to you again, Amber. Yeah. Wonderful. What a story. Um, you're listening to uh, She Made Me Do It podcast with me and her. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> me and her. Rude. <laughs> that one over there. Uh, thanks so much, Steve, for listening. We'll be back later. See you next week. Yeah. Ta-da. Bye. So we're back with our beautiful Agni aunt, Jo McNamara from McNamara Flowers Winter Road. And we've got some questions for her today that the listeners have written in and asked. So hi, Jo. Hi, how are you? Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready to Agni aunt your way through these questions? I am. Let's have the questions. Okay. So question one, Joyce from Eastney has um, written in and she's getting a little collie puppy, but she's also getting her garden redone. And she wants to know, because she knows you have beautiful dogs, should she get real grass, put some decking down or some paving slabs to help with the dogs? Right, okay. Paving slabs are much easier, obviously, because you can see the poo, you can pick it up, you're good to go. You can wash it all down with your disinfectant and what have you. The only problem I've found in the past is that dogs do like to go on grass. So you're going to have to sort of educate them where they can go in the garden if you're going to do it paving. Maybe have a little area of grass for them. But um, I had fake grass in my last house and that worked really well for me because I could get out there, wash it down, keep it all nice and clean and it always looked really good. But it depends. I mean, you can't beat a good lawn, can you? Were you a sort of girl that went out and hoovered her grass? Oh, yeah, yeah. If I had people come around for a barbecue, <laughs> the hoover would be out all cleaning up all the leaves. It was lovely. Really, really. Always looked tidy. That's good. That's cool. Okay. So, grass, you think? Definitely. Go grass. Yeah. Andrew from Buckland's got a tricky question for you. Mm-hmm. He says, I work with a girl who has got the worst breath. What's your advice for me to tackle this? This is a difficult one because you don't want to upset the person. I mean, you know, if someone came to me and said, Joe, if they knew me well, Joe, you've got really bad breath, 
I'd be grateful that someone had pointed it out to me, I can do something about it. If it's a work colleague, I think it's a bit tricky because you could cause A, real problems for yourself at work because you've got to work with this person. You don't want to offend them, you don't want to upset them. So maybe leave some mints on their desk or pop a couple of bottles of Listerine in the bathroom so that at lunchtime she might be looking at them and taking the hint. Who knows? I mean, and there's different sorts of bad breath. I mean, is it like she's eaten too much garlic the night before? Because, you know, we all, we've all been done on, that. Been on the booze this been morning. Been on the drink the night before. <laughs> you know, so it's a... It, you know, be kind. Do it gently. Oh, I have the worst gag reflex. When I smell something bad, I'm awful. Oh, I am no. like, and I, I literally am physically sick. I can't cope with smells. No, I know. I used what to you be. Mean. I used to take people out of my car, show them around houses, and if they smell, I literally it was freezing cold. I'd have my head out of the window. It'd be raining and blowing a gale, <laughs> and I'd be like, Oh my god, I've got to get these out of the car. They smell so bad. <laughs> what I do is if some, if I'm dealing with someone who's got bad breath, I take a deep breath and turn my head away so I'm talking to them and I go <gasps> like this and then I can listen to them without breathing in or smelling their smell oh god why don't people really come on people it's 2018 <laughs> it doesn't cost much to get a toothbrush it doesn't cost much to get toothpaste brush your teeth <laughs> <laughs> okay so the final question is a bit of a sensitive one and it's coming anonymously right okay so this is quite serious and that you know I don't know if this is a regular thing, if this is something that happens a lot. I've been with my boyfriend for three years and we have a great sex life, but now he's asking to bring his best mate into the bedroom to join us. What do you feel? How do you feel about this? What do you think I should do? Don't do it. Whatever you do, don't do it. Unless, feel, unless this boy was a sort. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you're, 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 you're paving away for disaster. If, you, if your sex life is so good, why does he need to bring someone else into it anyway? Mm. And to be honest, if you want to start shagging other people, don't be together. Mm. Go, go your separate ways. He's his best friend. Mm. There is not going to be a non-issue after this. There will be some sort of jealousy on your part, on his part. Repercussions. Repercussions. There'll be loads of repercussions. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do Especially it. if you've got a good relationship. You've been together three years. Mm. You said you've got a good sex life. So you, you must think a lot of each other to have been together three years. Yeah. Why ruin it? Yeah. Maybe think about bringing porn into the bedroom instead. Exactly. Why not a bit of porn? There's nothing wrong with that <laughs> on the big screen. You know tantalize each other whatever but don't bring another man into it definitely not no, or woman for that no. matter yeah jealousy's an evil monster well thank you so so much for um having time with us for your agony questions and your You're not welcome. wealth of knowledge and we'll come back to you next week see you soon see you soon thank you bye i love it i love it i love it that was better wasn't it